0: How do we interpret the Bible? Paul tells the evangelist Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. One of Timothy's primary responsibilities was to teach the church the word of God. In this verse, Paul urges him to work hard and to rightly divide the word of truth. The New English translation says, teach the message of truth accurately. In their notes, the translators say, accurately is a figure of speech that literally means something like cutting a straight road. In regard to the message of truth, it means correctly handling or imparting it without deviation. So as one charged with teaching the Word of God, Timothy was to be very careful that he taught it accurately. But in order to teach the Word of God accurately, one must first understand what the Word of God says, which means one must know how to properly interpret the Word of God. I would like to consider three tools and techniques Jesus used when interpreting Scripture that I believe remain relevant for us and they can help us interpret the Bible properly. But before we get into this, please help me out. I want the Gospel of Jesus Christ to reach as many people as possible. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please subscribe and tap the bell icon to receive updates when I upload new content. If you're listening to the Gospel Saves podcast on Apple or Spotify, please consider giving the podcast a 5-star rating and writing a review. When you do one of those simple things, you help those big tech algorithms notice the gospel saves content. I can't do this without your help, so please help me preach the good news of Jesus to as many people as possible. Okay, let's talk about how to interpret the Bible. Tool number one. If the Bible commands, we must obey. In Luke 10.25, a lawyer tests Jesus with the question, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asks, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? To which the lawyer responds by identifying two essential commands, Love God and love our neighbor. Jesus responds to him in verse 28, You have answered rightly, Do this and you will live. Obeying these two commands will lead one to inherit eternal life. And obeying the commands of Jesus is the mark of true discipleship. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Obedience to the will of God separates pretenders from true believers. If we want to go to heaven, we must obey the will of God as given in his commands. In John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Saying I love you, Jesus, but not obeying his commands is like saying Lord, Lord. Like faith and works, love needs obedience in order to be alive. Obedience to the commands of Jesus is the mark of true discipleship. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-5, through 5, the Apostle John writes, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God, is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. If you want to know whether or not you abide in Jesus, then determine whether or not you keep his commands. And like John 14, 15, notice that one's love for God is expressed by keeping the word of Christ. So when we attempt to discern the will of God by properly interpreting Scripture, our chief guides are the commands of God. I cannot please God without keeping His commands. I cannot love God without keeping His commands. I cannot have a relationship with God unless I keep His commands. Therefore, if Scripture commands, I must obey. A second tool we can use when interpreting Scripture is examples. Examples from Scriptures are a guide. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 1-8, through 8, Jesus legitimized the use of example in interpretation. The hungry disciples pluck heads of grain and are accused by the Pharisees of violating the prohibition of work on the Sabbath day. Jesus defends his disciples by citing two examples from the Old Testament. He cites David and his men eating the showbread in 1 Samuel 21, 3-6, and he highlights the priests who offer sacrifices on the Sabbath. Numbers 28, verses 9-10 and is one example. In his response to the Pharisees and scribes, Jesus demonstrates that the use of example is a perfectly acceptable form of interpretation. To illustrate this from a little different angle, let's think about two verses from the first chapter of John's Gospel account. In John 1.14, John says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And a few verses later in verse 18, John writes, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. When put together, these two verses reveal a simple truth Jesus Christ is the manifestation of God Himself. If we want to see God, who no one has seen, we must look to Jesus Christ. But how does Jesus embody the unseen God? Well, he spoke the things commanded by the Father. John chapter 12 verses 49 and 50, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore whatever I speak just as the Father has told me, so I speak. So Jesus spoke commands from God the Father. God commanded him what to say, and Jesus spoke those things to us. But Jesus, also fo- but Jesus also followed the example of the Father. The Father set an example that Jesus followed. In John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. How did Jesus manifest the unseen God? By teaching what God the Father commanded and by following his example. Pairing commands in Scripture with examples from Scripture seems to be a reasonable hermeneutic for properly understanding the Word of God. Examples from the Old Testament are used extensively throughout the New Testament in order to illustrate and to guide. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1-12, through 12, Paul says, The children of Israel were baptized into Moses. They partook of spiritual food from the same source as us, and yet rebelled against God by their idolatry, sexual immorality, and lack of faith. The writer of Hebrews in chapters 3 and 4 brings up the same example and concludes in chapter 4, verse 11, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Jude warns us against being led astray by using the examples of the children of Israel, the fallen angels, and Sodom and Gomorrah. A few verses later, he says false teachers have gone the way of Cain, have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Although many of the commands from the old law no longer apply to us, we are urged to take to heart the examples of the Old Testament. So on this basis, the New Testament urges us to take to heart the examples of Jesus and his apostles. After washing the disciples' feet, Jesus says in John 13.15, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Peter urges us to bear with poor treatment, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. 1 Peter 2.21 Paul and his companions earned their own living while living among the Thessalonians and did not accept help from the church. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. 2 Thessalonians 3.9 Using examples from Scripture as our guide means we are using Scripture in the way it was designed to be used. The final tool we can use in interpretation is inference. Jesus used inference when answering the hypothetical question of the Sadducees in Matthew 22, verses 23-33. through As you may recall, the Sadducees floated a hypothetical scenario involving a man, his wife, and his seven brothers. If the man dies, his seven brothers marry his wife in succession upon the death of each one, and finally the wife dies. So which man, the Sadducees ask, will her husband be in the resurrection? To answer, Jesus quotes Exodus 3.6 and chides the Sadducees for missing the meaning of I am. He says God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. What's fascinating about Jesus' interpretation is it requires inference. The Sadducees should have inferred Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, though they were dead, were in fact alive because God uses the present tense. He does not say, I was the God of Abraham, implying that Abraham is dead and no longer alive. He says, I am the God of Abraham. In failing to draw out God's meaning, Jesus says these men are mistaken, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. To be clear, Jesus rebukes them for not drawing the right conclusion based on inference. When Paul reflects on the promises to Abraham in Galatians 3, he observed, God did not say to Abraham, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Here is another example of an easily overlooked inference. The difference between the plural and singular, though subtle, affects the conclusion drawn from the passage. This illustrates how easy it is to draw a faulty conclusion from inference. The Jews inferred that the promise was to all of Abraham's descendants, while Paul says it was to Christ alone. So the three tools we can use when interpreting the Bible are following God's commands, imitating the examples we find in Scripture, and inferring the meaning of a passage. These are the tools we utilize when staking out the borders of the kingdom of heaven and understanding God's will for our lives. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.